I want to change the emotional set point of the world. I want to bring it up where everybody in this world is happier. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with global performance coach and keynote speaker, Dr. Jane Gardner. In today's episode, you will learn how to deactivate the primal wound that is limiting your beliefs and causing your success to plateau. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more resources. Speak to me or one of our community members to learn more. You can schedule a quick conversation at smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash 15. Or go to our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Dr. Jane Gardner. Dr. Jane is a business strategist helping entrepreneurs eliminate their people problems by installing an employee-focused culture. Her Gardner method is a proven personal growth system for identifying, processing, and permanently deactivating the primal wound that we all carry unconsciously in our work life. Deactivating this emotional control over us raises leaders' emotional set point, improving employee engagement while raising the happiness level of all people they touch in their personal and business lives. Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, David. It's nice to be here. And it's so wonderful to get to talk about me, not have to uh, be a coach and talk about someone else. It's it's so rare. Right. That's the beauty of being a guest on somebody's show. When I'm a guest on somebody else's show, I get to do that too. Here, I just ask the questions. It's good to be here. Let's talk a little bit about that primal wound that you deactivate. What is that? Yes, David, I find that very few people know they have one, much less how much it's controlling them. So if you think back to early in your life, before age 10, usually, you've had something happen to you uh, with a parent or at school that has really influenced you. It's really harmful to you. It has hurt some incident where you remember someone saying something or doing something to you that made you think about a lesser part of you, maybe that took you down in energy or hurt your feelings or made you think less of yourself. Because, you know, when we're born, our brain isn't totally developed. We're very malleable for 10, 15 years, even our entire lives, but more so as a young brain. So what happens to us, research has shown, forms our personality. So a primal wound is that one incident that really did change you in a negative way as a kid. So what's an example of one? I talked with a client several months ago, and he had the goal with him was to find a job. He was midlife, and he hadn't been able to achieve much in in his career like he wanted. It always kind of gotten stuck. 
And he wanted to have his own company and be a leader in his company and own it. So I asked him to tell me a story about some time in his life when something happened that really disrupted him. And his time was older in life. He was actually in high school. He was 17. And his basketball team had made the finals and he was in the state championship. His dad was the coach of the team and he was kind of the star. And so he was really excited about that last game. It came down to the wire. They were about to win the state championship. He took the ball and that he was dribbling down the court and all of a sudden the, he was about to do a late layup and he just knew he had it to win the game. Well, the whistle blew. And they called him on some mistake he made, some technicality. He took the ball, kind of threw it on the floor as if in a little anger outburst. His dad, the the coach, benched him. And and what happened was his older brother, who had not was on the team but was not as good as him, went in, substituted for him, went in and made a three-pointer to win the game. And so... Next day in the newspaper, this picture came out of his dad and his brother with a big uh, prize and just, you know, best thing that ever happened. He wasn't in the picture. And he almost got into tears telling me, and here he was, 56 years old. And I said, what limiting belief did you decide about yourself at that point in your life? And he said, oh, my gosh. And he had never really thought about it, but he said, I decided I'm second best. And I said, how has this impacted your whole life? And he said, I've always been the COO. I've always been the second, the man that's second in charge because I never felt like I could do it. I felt like I just wasn't a big enough person to be that man in charge. So as we coached for the next few months, I taught him my methodology of how to rewire that belief into I'm a priority in my life. I am the priority in my life. I am capable. I'm strong. I'm confident. All these new beliefs he started to wire in. And so within about six months of work, he found a a way to form his own company. And as much as I know, he's successful to this day because he removed the impact of that primal wound on his career. So that's a great example of how how the primal wound can impact your success. And I suspect that it also impacts things like happiness and engagement and performance. Yes, it impacts your energy level, your resulting behavior. It dumbs down the best you, the greatness in you becomes edged off and you cannot really reap the rewards of the best life that you're capable of. How do these primal wounds impact you when you're going through a major transition? Do they tend to kind of show up in much larger ways than when you're not going through a major transition? Crisis will bring up that limiting belief. I I can tell you my primal wound. I was making a transition myself, David. I wanted to go from being a therapist, a psychologist, mental health to working in the business world about 20 years ago. I wanted to make that transition, but I didn't feel confident. I just didn't know why. I asked someone that had been trained in my methodology to coach me, 
And we found my primal wound when I was 11. I had two brothers that worked for the my dad's company. And my dad owned his own business, was an entrepreneur, and was kind of a hero in our in our family. I wanted to go to work too, but I was a girl. So one summer, my mom, I, I heard her talking to my dad, see, and I wasn't supposed to hear it, but he's, she told my dad, you give her a job this summer. She needs something that where she feels important at your company. So I started one summer and he bought me this book and had me do some graphs that he knew I was good at art. And so I drew these pictures that he asked me to draw. And at the end of the summer, I had 162 of these drawings that he asked me to do. I presented it to this package to him in a loose leaf, leaf notebook. And he just acted like it was the best thing on earth. I was very proud of myself. And so it was time to leave for the summer. I went running out to the car where my mom was going to take me to get school supplies. And all of a sudden, I realized I'd left my colored pencils there. So I talked to my mom a minute, went running back in my dad's office, and I couldn't find him. He wasn't there. So I looked around his office, and in a minute, I noticed that my notebook was in the trash. And so what I learned from that was he had given me some fake job that he had tricked me is how I felt betrayed. And within that, I never talked to anyone about it. I was so ashamed and embarrassed and I didn't even know why. I never processed it. But here I was trying to make this transition in life. And I realized I didn't think I could be a good businesswoman. I knew I was a great psychologist, but to transfer to the business world, I had a limiting belief. Just like Dan in my first story, I was being held back by the emotion and the lack of confidence that it had put in my head. So thank you for sharing that. So like you and like this other story that you told, many of the people I know have gone from a high achieving professional position, often it's like mid to late career, where they have, um, I would say, typically 20, 25, sometimes even 30 or 35 years of experience. And they either leave voluntarily or quite often they get pushed out and they decide that the next chapter is going to be a work chapter where they have more control over their destiny. And quite commonly, it's a consulting or coaching business in the same discipline that they spent many years perfecting as an employee. And it's particularly challenging because they go from a role where they had a, a full calendar overflowing inbox, built-in social structure, people needed them all the time, and they were well-regarded to, they go out on their own. At the beginning, they have an empty calendar, empty inbox, they're, there's no social structure. Their friends from work are now ghosting them because there's a, there's a lot of shame around not being employed. And they have to get up and market and sell something they've never had to sell before, which is themselves. And so you really need to have a lot of self-confidence to be able to move forward under those circumstances. And I would imagine that when you have limiting beliefs that are tied to something like a primal wound, it can have huge detrimental effect. David, I felt like my process that helps you deactivate those primal wounds was so important to business that 
I started installing it as cultures in companies. And you mentioned something about confidence level because I wondered, I thought, what are the results if we do some research on putting this culture in a company, what are the results it has in one person's life? So I hired an outside journalist to come in and interview these 70 people in this first company I installed this in because I had taken these 70 people through the deactivation of their primal wound. And that was the one results that surfaced more than anything in the qualitative research she did, that it made people more confident. And so I think probably primal wounds influence your confidence level more than anything. And again, like I said at the beginning, I don't think we know what they've even done to us. It's kind of like a secret block in there that you've never really thought about. And so I urge your listeners to go through a process of deactivating that wound. And sometimes you do that in therapy. Sometimes, you know, just talking through yourself. And I'd be glad to give some steps if you'd yeah, like please. somewhere in this Absolutely. broadcast of how to, how to do it on your own. Let's just put it that way. Because a lot of times I'll send my clients home with just instructions. They don't want to spend time and money with men. So I've got five steps I'll just call out to you and share. And the first step is to think about what you're feeling right now in your life. For instance, maybe you're trying to get something uh, to happen. Maybe you're trying to get a job or, or get more confidence. But think of how you're feeling right now and name that feeling like frustrated, uh, silly, crazy, stupid. I don't know what words you want to use. Uh, some research that I saw Brene Brown had done lately saying we only use three emotions. Most people, that's all their vocabulary is in emotions. So think about what you're feeling when you want to get somewhere. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel less than? Do you feel incapable? And write that feeling down on a sheet of paper. That's step one. And step two is to remember a time in childhood when you felt just like that. If you're feeling frustrated or if you're feeling inadequate, when in childhood did you, do you remember feeling that same way? And you will automatically remember the right memory that will surface that will help you discharge it. So you write that memory down in step two and you write down everything that happened that you can remember right for mm, 10 or 15 minutes about what happened. Step three is to write down what belief you think formed from that. What was the limiting belief that you formed in your mind from that childhood incident? Think back to the kid you were. What did he figure out or she figure out about herself that was negative? Fourth step, write a letter to that little kid apologizing to him or her for what happened and defending what should have happened, defending that child, be that child's advocate of, in my case, I would say to myself, that was really unfair what your dad did. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm so sorry that it caused you so much upset in your life. And be kind of that parent that rewires that for them. And then the last step 
is to pick a new empowering belief. In my case, it was, I am an important and valuable business leader. And so it was to put in a new belief of how I wanted to be. And then you kind of have a little picture of what we do if you call me and I say, let's deactivate a primal wound. These sound like really important and helpful steps, Jane. How hard is it to do these steps on your own? It's more difficult, yes. The best uh, success I've seen people had is when they take this course in a team. Because what that facilitates when you're with four or five other people is when you tell your story, those people react to it as it probably should have been reacted to in the time. You know, they'll say, oh, I can't believe that happened. Like when you heard my story, what did you want to tell that little girl? That you were justified in feeling the way you felt? Absolutely. And most people can see that in someone else and do that fourth step of, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. What happened to you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's what you need is the justification that something hurt you because nobody justified it. Most likely at the time, it was probably so humiliating you wanted to forget it. Right. Particularly if you didn't share it with anyone. Oh, and we, we usually don't. We're usually told not to share negative feelings. So we stuff them. And one of the things neuroscientists tell us is buried emotions never die. They just make us sick, literally, to hold on to things that happen to us. Those emotions that we don't process, they're what cause illness. So when you're in a team, you get more support. And it's a quicker resolution than if you do it by yourself. Okay. And do you find that these kinds of primal wounds are typically one incident or are there often multiple incidents that happen early in our lives that can impact our emotions and our behavior and limit us from doing what we really want to achieve? Great question. Yes, is the answer. It <laughs> Well, there's usually two or three things that happen because like in my instance, after I figured out I could never be a good businesswoman, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. I went to school. I didn't major in business like I wanted to. I became a teacher because I had that limiting belief. I found myself in a profession that I had no passion for. And then I just kept attracting people to me that thought of me as less than. So I think if we don't have but that one incident, we create other things that exacerbate it and make it more a deeper groove in our brain as a neural pathway that's leading us as we go through the world. But a lot of times you'll have a series, you'll have a, a teacher, maybe in first grade, that was not good for you, maybe that did some harm to you. So it happened every day, you know, or a parent that is abusive, that it might have happened several different times, what happened to you. And what that means is the wound was even deeper. And it's sometimes more difficult to surface that way because our brain protects us from going there again by saying, uh -uh, don't do that. There's a lot of resistance, you know, to going backwards. So again, in a team setting, you have the support and you're watching other people do that same thing. So 
it seems to facilitate and get past the resistance that we all have to going back into those hurtful times. Jane, how do you know when you should seek therapy for one of these scenarios versus when you don't really need therapy to, to resolve it? There are certain signs that determine to me that you need a therapist because I'm this at this point in my life, I'm a performance coach. I don't work with people at, at a therapy level. So if they're telling me that they're not sleeping well, not eating normally or cannot do exercise, cannot stay focused during the day, those are physiological symptoms that tell me they're lowering themselves into a depressive state. They may need medication, they may, but they definitely need to seek help at that point. Okay. That's a good sign. So you've now been doing this for, for 20 years? I've been working for the business for 20 years. I have been working with either mental health. I did that for 20 years before. So it's four decades of work for me. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about your business model? Yes. Now, what I do with uh, the idea of a primal wound is that I talk to business people that are growth minded and want to help people get more engaged in their company. Maybe the pandemic has made uh, a lot more business come to me because now entrepreneurs are realizing that they need to do something to engage their people. So if I can find that person that's really ready to do something different with their culture. My business model is to take it into a business through teams, to take part of the company, as many volunteers as I can get through the team, and then to develop the culture around that. The second stage of the culture, other than putting having people take this process, is to figure out what the rules are of the culture and what happens when they, someone in that company breaks those rules. So after the, the leaders have taken this process and have deactivated these uh, primal wounds, they'll be less reactive and more likely to understand their, their uh, responsibility in something. They just become more, work, more easy to work with. And so then we have an offsite with all the leaders where we determine what are some of the rules that are important for this company? What are the norms, the toolkit that when someone comes in a culture, they know that this is the way it works. We respect all people. We don't allow people to talk about people behind their back. We uh, expect confidentiality in our meetings. We support each other. We, you know, whatever they decide is important, but it's logical, humane, kind things that maybe no one has ever said to them that we don't do that here. And so the gossip, the bite, backbiting continues until it comes out into the surface. And then we help these leaders confront each other when they see someone's doing this and they start to call each other out for it. And the culture begins to be psychologically safe again for people to be themselves, to be their authentic self. Jane, what's your vision for what you want to achieve with this methodology? I want to change the emotional set point of the world. I want to bring it up where everybody in this world is happier. 
I thought at first that I would do that through the mental health profession of just day by day working with a person. And I spent, I've now spent 55,000 hours one-on-one. Now I've learned that I want to go into companies, into business, because that's where I can implant this concept easier, move on to another company and reach more people. So that's my new way of being in the world is to take businesses to their next level when they're ready to really begin to help people deactivate what's been done to them as children so that they can perform at their highest level in that business. Sounds great. Uh, Jane, I want to thank you so much for sharing what we've discussed today. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything that we've touched on or access any resources that you have, where would be the best place for them to go? My website, drjanegardner.com, D-R-J-A-Y-N-E, gardner.com. And I have a free assessment you can take there on what your happiness at work IQ is. So one way, if you're in that transition and you're trying to figure out what you want to do or whether you're happy in your current job, take this assessment because it gives you ideas at the end of how to become happier at work. And then I wanted to offer people a coupon for 25% off any uh, product I have on my website. And so the coupon is Dr. Jane 25, D-R-J-A-Y-N-E 25. Sounds great. Well, Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guest has been global performance coach and keynote speaker, Dr. Jane Gardner. Thank you again, Jane, for joining us. It was a pleasure to be here, David. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Dr. Jane Gardner, we learned how to deactivate the primal wound that is limiting your beliefs and causing your success to plateau. Are you building a community? Check out Circle, the all-in-one community platform for creators and brands. Bring together engaging discussions, members, live streams, chat, events, and memberships all in one place, all under your own brand. Circle is the platform we use in the Smashing the Plateau community. I love the way Circle puts your people, discussions, and content all in one place. Get a free 14-day trial of Circle at smashingtheplateau.com circle. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash circle. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.